Hello, welcome to Time to Say Goodbye. It is the 10th of January. I feel it. And uh, is it? Oh, yeah, it's the 10th. I was thinking about doing like a different opening to the show where it would be like uh, we would just be talking and it'd be in the middle of our conversation. Yeah, and then one of us would do like, oh, I didn't notice you sitting there, you know? <laughs> Welcome to the, you know? <laughs> That's even how stupid. I was trying to think about the dumbest ways to like think about, uh, you know, um, I didn't notice about opening the show. Equipment in your microphone in front of you. Yeah, that would be like an impress. <laughs> that would be um, an improvement. Andy, turn your microphone up a little bit. That would be an improvement on like what we're doing right now. Anyway, we don't have. We all know that Tammy's in Korea. Tammy, you don't have any updates from Korea, right? Not really. I. Yeah, I mean, I think relevant to what we're going to talk about today, we're, it's on winter break right now. There's a really long winter break for the Korean school system. And so everybody's just kind of enjoying the holidays and going out. And things feel relatively normal. The rates really? obviously are very high, but um, yeah. But I think there's so much testing and there's relatively good control. Andy, how's Philadelphia? You said it's cold? Uh, it's freezing. Um you know, not to like uh, spoil what we're going to talk about, but uh, we're about to begin teaching here and we're going online. But also, my, really? Yeah. Well, just for like a few weeks. Um, so that happened on Friday. Your whole school? Uh, it's like, Yours? it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's uh, I'm not sure it's a school policy, but I think a lot of us are going online for Omicron reasons. You're remote teaching? Okay. For two weeks. Yeah. Are people pissed? Not that I know. No. But uh, you haven't gotten any like uh, emails from parents being like, I'm not paying for you to sit behind a Zoom uh, in your underwear and <laughs> mumble shit about China. <laughs> I want my money back. They wouldn't email me. But yeah, I think, oh, okay. but I think that's, yeah. yeah. How did you get this address? <laughs> that would be, fun. be funny if they emailed you. They're like, I'm going to email my, it's like my Gmail account. Like, how, do you, how do you know my Gmail? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't know what power you think I have over these decisions. <laughs> but, um, so, okay. So that okay. was Friday. That was a huge relief. And then on Saturday, um, my kids' class had a, is going to announcement that they're going to shut down for a week also. So, oh, uh, it's a real test of uh, my principles in terms of uh, yeah, you're, you're seeing it from both yeah. sides, yeah. you know. Yeah, you're you're living the dialectic. <laughs> totally, as consumer <laughs> and as producer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So um, you and your partner are just gonna take turns trying to yeah babysit, supervise. Yeah, did some uh, math yeah. today. Walked around a little bit. That was until two o'clock, and then she watched a lot of iPad after that. Um, that's pretty mm. standard for, at yeah. this point, for a lot of us. What'd you watch on iPad? I'm not sure, but I promised Frozen. I'm not quite sure what she, uh, what she actually watched. Oh, is your kid into Frozen? I think every kid's into Frozen. I don't, are you, is, no, is yours not? Not true. My kid is not into any Disney stuff. Really? <laughs> by choice? Zero. Like, yeah, by like choice. Your choice, or choice. We actually try and make her watch some of the stuff and she won't watch it. What does she watch? She's only Just interested in... She's only really interested in uh, Mario at this point. That's cool. Mario and Zelda. Wow. Like a, She's an old a soul. very basic Nintendo duo. But uh, I don't know. It's weird. She has no interest in princesses or anything like that. It's not intentional. Like, you know, 
because if it was, then we would have to police it way more because like all parents kind of like police that stuff at this point yeah. and it doesn't matter, right? All the kids learn about it from the other kids at school yeah. and it doesn't, you know, they become like, I don't actually think there's anything bad about this, honestly. Yeah. You know, like it's just, it, just cause it's so ubiquitous where it's just like, okay, like, are we really going to, you know, right. like something is happening. Maybe their brains are being like taken over by like, you know, like how in cat feces, there's that thing that. <laughs> <laughs> that like goes in your brain yeah. as a parasite and makes you like attracted to cats. <laughs> like, maybe there's some Disney shit going on with Prince. Like maybe it's true, but here's the thing: it's like endemic. You know, it's like Omicron at this point, right? Like, but do you feel like the chances of zero princess oh are God, over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're gonna have to live. We're gonna have to learn how to live with like three to seven year olds being obsessed with princesses, you know, but yeah. I don't know. My daughter seems to have like a natural immunity to it. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but I'm not, I'm really not saying it as any sort of proud thing. It's yeah, just yeah. like, it's just something that happens. I mean, she's replaced it with, you know, Mario, Super Mario Brothers all day long. Yeah. Yeah. It's really not any better. All right. Okay. So let's talk about the thing that we're going to talk about today, which, um, you know, I think we should talk about, which is school closures <laughs> and teachers' unions. Those are the two things that have been really occupying the news for the past, I don't know, I would say two weeks or so, right, since uh, the end of winter break for most people, which um, I guess that wasn't two weeks ago, but for last week. Um, and the news has been a steady stream of alarm, I would say, right? Um, now, the alarm, in my opinion at least, is like incredibly weird because it's like there are not that many school districts outside of andy's kids preschool <laughs> that is closed you know <laughs> and that's a this is a preschool but it's like a private it's not the whole school district right right it's not like the like the entire like child care system of philadelphia right. has decided to collectively shut down right yeah. like um most well, schools are, are open now. i like i have noticed this because i've uh, every morning when I read people's tweets about how they're outraged about like school closures, quote, around the country, I can hear the cars pulling up to the elementary school <laughs> near my house, you know, and it's like, well, here in the People's Republic of Berkeley, like the schools are still open in almost every place in the country. The schools are still open. Right. And so then this idea, this story has almost become this like hyper focus on Chicago specifically, right, where there is a fight between the teachers union and the city and there has been online classes. A few schools in New York City that I think because of high case rates or whatever have decided to go online, right? Yeah. And then just like a random sprinkling of schools around the country. But like, I don't know what the actual number is, but if it was anything less than like 99.5% of schools are open right now, I'd be stunned, right? Yeah. Like it's got to be over 99%. Like I don't know of schools that are closed except in Chicago, right? So um, I don't know. What do we make of this story and the way that it's been going? Like what, what do you think the aims of this are, Tammy? Yeah. Well, I mean, th I think one thing that struck me is how quickly all of the discussion around it has pivoted from the blame to the teachers unions and then making conclusions about the Democratic Party, you know, kind of transforming this angle into a partisan kind of electoral fight immediately, instead right. of kind of looking at what the, the public health and familial concerns are. Um, I guess I don't, I mean, we, I think we've talked about a kind of building rage against teachers unions or what we expected to be a backlash against educators since the beginning of the pandemic. So in a way, this is maybe, you know, one of the peaks of it, but I expect this discourse to continue going. I guess I don't find it that surprising, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. At some point when people, anything related to schools, it seems yeah. like when somebody, when they start looking for someone to blame, 
it's always the teachers unions that get blamed. Um, and uh, I can't really think of instances where it wasn't the teachers unions that gets blamed because like, you know, people don't want to blame individual teachers, right? Because like they want the, they don't want to be the type of people who hate teachers, even though I think that a lot of them hate teachers, right? Like, um, uh, and so what, what, who can you blame, right? Like that they're like, oh, it's a superintendent. It's kind of abstract, right? And so like, there's been this narrative for many years that there's this like uh, radicalized and like, uh, you know, malicious force behind the teachers and it's the teachers union and most teachers are good. It kind of resembles cop stuff, honestly, right? Like it's like most teachers are good, but that, but they, when their union tells them what to do, then they're bad. (laughs) Right. right? So all we have to do is get rid of the union. Now, of course, this is a tool that's been used to break up teachers unions in places like new Orleans or wherever. Right. And move to charter schools by saying like, we can't actually accomplish teaching like all those bad teachers that are old, that are at your school, that all the kids know to avoid, they all make like $180,000 a year. And the reason why they make that is because of the unions and they know they'll never be fired. So that's why they're shitty teachers. Like these are all very yeah. common na- narratives and they're mostly common, I would say amongst liberals, right? Like, uh, you know, huh. um, and so like conservatives actually, I think are uh, a little bit less in, you know, like they don't think about things in that, in that sort of hyper sense. I think they just send their kids to like a yeah. public school and they hope that the public school is, full of like rich white people or something like that, <laughs> at which point they probably won't have any of these issues, you know? Um, so there's been a lot of stuff written about this, right? And what are the, Andy, I want to get your response to this. Did you read this Atlantic article? Yeah, it was rough. Uh, do you, I mean, do you feel like this is part, just in terms of timing though, do you feel like it's because people kind of thought after Delta, that was the last one and then Oh, no, no, we can talk about that. Too. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? Like, oh, that they're just exhausted and they're it's like just... another like, school year. Yeah, like this has been kind of slow boiling for a while or simmering. But um, yeah. so you think it's a event? You think it's a uh, way to? I don't know. I, don't, I, don't know. I mean, I don't know why. It does feel like it is kind of like um, the story has reached like a magnitude that it was that's larger than it has been throughout the pandemic. And if I wonder, I wonder if that's because like Omicron kind of came as such a unexpected next phase that people were thought like, okay, we're going to be rewarded for our patients finally. And then Omicron happened. And like, I can say I haven't taught online. Well, that was true of Delta too, though. But I think that with the vaccination rate being right. so high as well, yeah. like I do. And, and I think the bleed into a third school year yeah. is kind of making people. Yeah. I haven't, I didn't talk. Yeah. Didn't teach I mean, I think so too, but, but I mean, I, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's because obviously if there's no virus then we wouldn't be having this problem, right? Like all the schools would just be open. Right. But Omicron so, in particular, yeah. I think because of how, uh, why? Because it's more mild. No, but, but because it, well, a, I guess it's mild, but also it spreads more quickly. So yeah, th- I think people, Oh, you mean the T te- okay. I think last fall, there was an expectation that it's under control. We're going to stop the spread mm-hmm. with vaccinations. And then now, even though Omicron is milder, which also exacerbates this idea that um, teachers are being too precautionary and they, they're like, they have to, you know, sack up and deal with it. Um, that has, yeah, that's unexpected. I didn't think there was going to be all these breakthrough cases either, um, you know, going into December last year. Yeah. So I wonder if it's just sort of like, this is the last straw for a lot of people who are lashing out now. Mm-hmm. But um yeah i think people are frustrated and tired of the pandemic yeah right and um they didn't nobody really expected but i don't know you know it seems weird because people seem very rutted into certain into certain uh reactions at this point right like there are people who are 
always going to be COVID maximalists and believe that we should stay in a bunker underground for the next 25 years or something. Right. Yeah. And then when those people are out like doing other things, like going to bars or parties or whatever, then they, you know, it like makes them look bad. Right. Um, I'm talking about like, I don't know, Eric Smallwell, particular politicians, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, like, <laughs> you know, like London breed is always like, uh, wear a mask and like you know avoid indoor dining and then like she's always caught at like some <laughs> yeah. club Restaurant. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no like at a club with like 20 other people like unmasked yeah. you know yeah. and then in my head even though you know i am not a covid maximalist but i also don't go to clubs you know <laughs> i don't even dine inside and in my in my head i'm just like i do have like a kind of like fuck you you know, type of res- response to that. Of course, you know, yeah. everyone does. Yeah. Just like, yeah. don't tell me what to do, you know? Like, I'm being much better than you are. You don't get to tell me what to do. And yeah, there's a lot of that right now, yeah. you know? And I think that, like, the other thing that's happened, I think, is that there's a lot of people who, like, are now, they now believe whatever their rut of um, mm-hmm. COVID information right. is telling them, right. right? And so, like, if you truly believe that Omicron is the cold, which, you know, yeah. a lot of people do, um, and especially for people who are vaccinated. And if you also believe that it's going to be endemic and everyone's going to get it anyway. So yeah. like, there's no point in trying to go zero Omicron. Yeah. Right. Which is also, I don't know. I think that's also something that's probably true. You know, yeah. like, uh, the idea that they're going to shut down schools for like two weeks is, you know, yeah. ghastly, I think, because it's just like, well, we can't like, what, what's it for? Yeah. You know, if we can't stop this thing anyway. Yeah. Well, I did um, have a question about that in the Atlantic article. So the Atlantic article, Jay, is, is the one written by a parent in the, in the Cleveland. Right. It's called Why I Soured um, on the Democrats. <laughs> yeah. And it's honestly kind of a, you know, it's a little bit of a sort of, you know, kind of gotcha type article. But, but one thing I had a question about in it is she basically is saying that even if there are high, very high rates of COVID in schools. It's okay because the kids are going to be fine. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, yeah. yeah, just to your point about like our understandings of the science around this, like what is the scientific consensus now about kids and spreads in schools? Because all of the districts have, some of the districts have like 20, 30% positivity rates. Yeah. 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 Which is well, insane. It's bad. Right? Um, so, okay. I mean- yeah, the science. Like, what is what do we know about that? Okay, so respond to two things. First thing is that you know, just to put this article in the correct context. It's 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 a type of article, I think, at this yeah, point, right? And exactly. it's always been a type of article, and it's always written by some like uh, somebody who lives in a city. It's usually like somebody in their early thirties, right? Um, they usually have a job like, like urban very planner. Specific, I'm making like I'm making like. <laughs> air quotes like it's like they're like an urban planner or they're like an illustrator or something like that you know and like they're all they all the the articles are always the same it's like a template right and it starts with being like you know i believe in black lives matter you know i believe in a woman's right to choose you know i have always been a democrat since i volunteered for yeah. who fucking knows, you know, like Dennis Kucinich in 1996 <laughs> or something like that, you know, when he was running for mayor of Cleveland. And, uh, you know, my parents used to, I used to argue with my parents about uh, racism at the Thanksgiving yeah. table all the time. And let me tell you, X issue has turned me against my mm-hmm. own people, you know, and the, and like the, the sense is always this like sense, like self victimhood, right? Like where like, I'm a good rational person, 
why have all of you turned on me? And yet, like in the modern age, all these articles are actually just about the person's Twitter feed, right? Like yeah. all this sort of thing where she's like, my fellow Democrats are screaming X, Y, and Z and be like, your fellow Democratic president is saying we're going to keep open the schools. You know, like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're just talking about <laughs> tweets from fellow like urbanists in your field, you know, who, by the way, are like some of the most annoying people in the world. You know, <laughs> of course, they're going to be fucking annoying about this shit, you know. So that, you know, that's the type of thing. So the, to your, um, that's the article that we're dealing yeah. with. I want us to talk a little bit about it because I think it's actually like quite a common it's like a common story right now. I don't know if it's common sentiment, mm -hmm. although I do think it's kind of a common sentiment, which is why I would say that it's okay to publish this type of story, even though I find it like kind of like rodent annoying at this point. So the second thing that you asked him, I don't, uh, yeah, there's a lot of big spreader events at schools, which means that like this, you know, there's a very well-known professor at Brown whose name I won't say on the podcast <laughs> for reasons. Oh. I don't know why, but like, yeah, someone else can say it, but like she, uh, you know, she was saying that schools aren't super spreader places. It seems to not be true, you know, with yeah. Omicron at We're least. talking about Emily right? Oster? Yeah, but I can't say her okay. name. Can I say it? Um, I leave that. You can say her name. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's me. But uh, I don't know. I think that seems to be disproven <laughs> with Omicron at least, right? Maybe it was true of Delta and certainly probably was true of Alpha, but... I don't know. The extent to which kids are getting sick is also unknown. That's a part of the problem here is that we yeah. don't know anything. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. so yeah. people are like pediatric, uh, pediatric ICU visits for kids with coronavirus are skyrocketing. Right. And then you look and it's like 50 to 60% of the kids who are in the hospital for coronavirus, like didn't know they had it. They just got tested when they got in the hospital. And so they have what's called like incidental. COVID. Yeah. Wow. Right. And so then you're just like, you know, like there is this thing where it's just like, you can think of it in many ways. The first is that like, oh, well, uh, all those kids, there's still a lot of kids with COVID, right? Even if half of them didn't know they had COVID. And the other way you can think about it is everybody is lying to me. You know, all these headlines about like skyrocketing COVID rates amongst kids are all lies, right? Like it's just like a miscount and like nobody. So that's, that's, I don't know. Doesn't that seem to be the prevailing type of sentiment right now that nobody really knows anything about anything? Yeah. And like everyone's just screaming at a tweet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That makes me anyway. feel better because I'm like, maybe I'm missing some of the science here, but I think, yeah, people I are mean, just using whatever hole in science. The, right. the science, as far as I can tell, and you know, I'm obviously don't know anything. It's like, I don't, I don't really know. Like it does seem like it's milder short term, but then there's a lot of unknowns about like the long term. And if you want to, you know, if you're very concerned about your kid and you want to think about every um, potential risk, then you might really fixate on that potential long-term stuff, you know, but like I wake up every day, oh, not every day for a while there over winter break though, I was like looking at Twitter for like Omicron updates and every single day the takeaway seemed to change, you know, like, hospitalizations right. are up but then you know dig a bit deeper and they're not that bad it's not that mu it's much milder and you know people were being very cautious about the conclusions they were drawing um and then it seems like finally people decided it's mild and now it's, i kind of feel like people are backlashing a little bit against the people who were saying it was mild um so i don't know who you know people are like i don't know I don't know. I don't have any names for you, but people say like, oh, you yeah. think it's so mild. <laughs> Look at these numbers. And then they would show like all this. Oh, oh yeah. Thing, right? yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what to do about that, but it seems like it's now a big problem that's going to come with every disaster that we have. Right. Twitter. Which is, uh, 
Yeah, like social media. <laughs> I just like, social media is like it's not necessary. Like we should just get rid of it. You know, like I like you know. It, I know it goes against my general free speech I know, ideas, I know. but like yeah. I just I just think we should get rid of it. Like you know, like it's not people can have the right people can help, go do a protest and shit. You know, like and do stuff like this. This Twitter verse, like the way that it breaks people's brains, it's awful. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Okay, so the anyway. Atlantic piece. Uh, Let's go to, to the Atlantic piece yeah. finally. Yeah. Okay. Um. What do you, th- Tammy? What do you think? Like, do you think that there's like, do you think this woman in the who wrote this piece uh, represents a real thing? Like, do you think that there are parents across this country right now who are basically losing faith in the um, Democratic Party? I will tell you an anecdote <laughs> about one of my friends and my buddy who, uh, you know, he's he's like a he's like a dude, right? Um, and he I. He's just, he's like a bro who watches sports and has a family, has, you know, three lovely kids, very nice guy. Would The furthest thing from being a Republican, right? And he said that he was in his neighborhood. He was like sort of with a couple dads, you know, who are, whose kids are also on his sports team. Mm-hmm. And the dads were basically being like, I would never vote for a Republican, but if they close down the schools and I'm going to take a long, hard look at like DeSantis or something uh-huh. like that, you know? I've also heard conversations anecdotally like that amongst people that I know, you know? And so the question that I have is just like, I think we can poke holes in these types of articles, but then I just wonder like, you know, like, is this a real effect? Right. And um, like, I think that maybe like look saying, doing things like we have to look at Virginia and, and it'll show us the roadmap or something like that, like the Virginia governor's yeah. election. Um, maybe that's a little overblown, but I don't know. Like, is there like a huge revolt going on where people are getting red pilled because of these school closures? <laughs> I think we've discussed on the pod before how there was at some point a kind of understanding of if you're, the Democrats are associated with shutting down the economy, you know? And so, right. and so I guess some of the kind of, I guess, stereotyping around what was a, what was like seemingly a necessary policy response has now just solidified to the point where like, if there's any sort of adverse action in a parent's lives, they automatically lash out against the Democrats. I mean, maybe that's true in certain blue places where those are the policymakers and that's therefore who you see and what you hear. Um, I guess in this article too, there is an alliance, there people are kind of making alliances between, oh, the Democratic Party, school closures and teachers unions. Right. But of course, that's actually not a very tight fit, given like how much conflict there's been between Democratic policymakers and teachers unions and teachers. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's kind of like one of these things that is an imag- is sort of an imaginary web that is now solidified into kind of gospel that I, I find really concerning. I haven't, I guess, it just like in my circles heard that this very much. And I think like if you are living in a red place and they're considering school closures and different kinds of regulation in schools, then are you mad at those policymakers who happen to be Republicans? But they don't. But red red places don't really shut down schools, you know? I mean, do they not ever go to remote learning when there are high rates of COVID? I mean, aren't I think aren't we going to eventually go into that sort of rolling scenario? I don't think so. I think so in red places, like... they haven't shut them down at all. No, no, I don't think so. They're certainly not at the rate. I mean, in blue, I guess the point is that in blue places, they haven't really shut down schools either, you know? But certainly, I don't think in red, I don't think that like a Republican lawmaker would ever sort of take the political hit to shut down. Yeah. To shut down a school. Um, But um, I think your point about this sort of being solidified into gospel is correct. 
you know, like this is like going to be the message of the midterms, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Right? It's going to be school closures, like, you know, COVID freakouts, liberty and the tyranny of teachers unions. Right. And um, the need to get back to normal and how some people just want to hide in their houses forever, you know, and, and do whatever, you know, I don't know, tweet, yeah. tweet about AOC and, and Taylor Swift or, you know, whatever the, Rihanna, whatever, the, whatever the stereotype is, right? Like that's gonna be the thing. Andy, I don't know. What do you think about this? Uh, what did you think about this writer? Yeah, um, I mean, I yeah, like Tammy, I haven't heard those stories of people swinging because of this, but from the reporting in Virginia, it does seem like there was like a callousness, maybe by Terry McAuliffe or other Democrats to say like because we believe, and I think they're playing into the bait that the Republicans set by politicizing COVID, right? By saying by go, going so so far in the other direction. And saying like we are the party of science that we will close the schools and you know not take any questions about it. Um, so I think that I can understand how that dynamic would play out because it is, as this writer points out, it is very stressful for a working right. family to have their kid at home and not to have um, all the resources to let to like distract their kid or to watch their kid all day, but somehow like not suffer in their job, which is probably requiring them to be productive, right? Um, so this article, I think, points out a real problem for a lot of people, right? That schools are outsourced social reproduction that people rely upon. And yeah. the question is then, but to me, I think, and I think, you know, this is probably like the takeaway for a lot of us is like, there's the, the, the writer's kind of, A, she's, you know, she doesn't even consider why the schools are closing or what teachers, why teachers Right. What the schools look like. There's not there's, that perspective is missing, but also it's like be a false. Well, I don't know if it's a false choice, but it does seem like it's an unnecessary choice between, um, you know, relying upon this like very this this very um, underfunded threadbare school system, or you know work, or else you'll like starve to death. Right? Like there has to be a better society available yeah. where, that can handle a situation like this without you know having to choose between your job or your kid, but. For right, a lot of people, right, right. right? For a lot of people, we know like that's that is the choice that they face, and it sucks. Um, so I, I, I was sympathetic to that in terms of like their experience, but you know, bigger picture, like there's it is kind of like um, it, be, it. There's a sort of it. There's a sort of belief that this is like the way it has to be, and I think that's kind right. of a narrow political. Um, you know, we would say like, yeah. well, we should actually uh, demand more and and think bigger than that instead of right 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 mm -hmm. it's it it, it uh, the reason why it's a i think the reason andy why it's like a trope in journalism these types of things now is because like people actually do think in totally binary ways right yeah and so like uh they want to show people who are transitioning between one binary and the other or something like that right and i don't know like and so she's like basically saying like you know well no no democratic politician or no democrat none of my liberal friends seem to have any sympathy for families and working class families and poor families who like need who depend on these schools to like so that they can go to work right and like that that type of characterization i don't know it's like uh it doesn't necessarily seem true to me in a lot of ways especially from the politicians have you thought of like can you think of a single politician that like is basically like yeah let's shut down the schools and haha like if you if you can't cope with it, then like your family sucks or like, you know, like, or like you, you just don't care about like 
dead grandparents or something like that. Like that, nobody talks like that, right? Like, can you think of a single politician who ever, would ever talk like what that? What was the what was the thing that Terry McAuliffe <laughs> kind of got nailed on? He was like, sort of saying like, we will. Like, of course, we'll shut the schools because that's what science says, or something like that. Right? Or it was like parents. <laughs> did, he, did he say that? I don't know. Like, yeah, that guy sucks. I, I forget. It was like CRT <laughs> or school closures, one of these two. But he was sort of like, because we, we're the party of science, right? Oh, yeah. Was, well, that yeah. that they do say. Yeah, they do totally, say that. Right? And again, but I think it's falling into it's this. It's not like trap they don't have the Republicans right. outside. Right. So it's like, yeah. maybe they do need to like follow up where the, and we do understand like your pain, you right, know? Yeah. Cause I think like the, <laughs> the, the sort of idea behind all of these pieces is like, please just say you care, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like a very real thing, you know? Like, I don't, I think that this person is a bit like, I think this person is too addicted to Twitter, honestly, yeah. you know? Cause I see on stuff on Twitter that really makes me mad, you know? Like, you know, like some like anime leftist person who like, you know, like who literally, has no idea about anything about politics and spends all their time just like making fun of uh, media people online, you know, including me. And they, you know, they'll say, they'll tweet something like, uh, you know, like, Oh, all parents who are mad about school closures just hate their kids and they don't want their kids, you know, like they just don't want to see their kids. And just like, listen, like who are who's the audience for this? You know, like, are you like a CIA operative that's just there to make the left look bad? (laughs) You know, because you sound fucking awful right now, you know? Um, so there's stuff like that, but you know, I don't know. It, you, it's not that hard to distinguish that to sort of delineate that stuff, or at least like you know, like put a barrier between that type of stuff and like the actual stuff that Democratic politicians are saying. You know, like so. Um, I don't know. I think it's hard I, too because the the Democratic politicians that are coming under fire for you know doing remote learning in schools, like they're also obviously managing the largest cities, the largest school districts, right? You know, and so there's just this kind of overlap of you know, you're having to deal with the hardest policy making in these incredibly complex, yeah. like school systems, and you know, and all of those places are generally democratic, and so you know, there's just going to be this really uncomfortable, yeah, perspe- I think per- perception in in the public. I think there probably is a constituency that would also get mad if the schools were open um, through what they believe were unsafe conditions, yeah. right? So they have to like, so these politicians have to like cater to both, right? Totally. Those who want proportional and practical solutions and those who are like, probably are also just like on Twitter all the time reading like COVID, um, COVID takes and are just yeah. thinking about all the- You think there are people who would be mad if the schools were open if they also had a virtual option though? Well, that's the other thing. It's like, I don't, I, I confess, I don't know what exactly is going on in all these schools, no. right? But like- yeah. I can say as uh, from my perspective as uh, at the university where like hybrid is something they asked us to do. It's like, this just means double the work. Yeah. And totally. for public school districts, I can't imagine even rich school districts, teachers want to do double the work, you know? So there is, yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, I mean, my takeaway from this article and I think the other articles we're about to talk about nicely pointed this out is like, these are all coming from the standpoint of like education is a, con- is a, is like a consumer good. You know, these are like, it's a kind of like a customer mindset. Like, why am I not getting what I want without thinking right. about like, well, how is this stuff made? Like, how is education? What is education? What do teachers do? Like, what are their working conditions and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, I think I, I can say, I can, again, I can see from my profession, like that is a very common mindset, you know, where people yeah. think I go to school for a, a particular service that I'm paying for. So I want good service without, um, you know, thinking about like how much work it is or how much, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll just leave it there, you know, but yeah, I also think that like half these people who write these articles, not half, 
95% of people who write these articles, <laughs> they would just become Republicans anyway because they're getting older and richer. You know, <laughs> just like, listen. There does, that does seem like, through. <laughs> yeah. This is going to happen to you anyway, you know? Like, it's called, like... Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, the inevitable like, process like, of aging. People, yeah, it's just called getting older and richer, you know? I'm sorry. Like, you know, like, that's what happened. And the people who, <laughs> like, terrible. like... Like you could really hate Democrats as the three of us do, you know, in, in different ways, you know. But like I'm never gonna be, I'm never gonna vote for like I'm never gonna like be like, oh, you know, like I'm gonna vote for a Republican because I'm so mad about this one issue, yeah. you know. It's just like, come on, like you know, it's just not gonna happen. Like yeah, like, like it's just like you were already inching that way and you wanted someone to kick you on the other side in some ways, right? And then you wrote this article. It's just like, okay, you know, enjoy it. It's fine. You know, like we're never going to win Ohio anyway. So like, you know. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, Ohio's gone. Um, it's because of all the school clubs. Uh, but, you know, all these all these urban planners, like the giant, the giant voting block of Cleveland urban planners who are now like hopping mad about school closures. <laughs> Okay, anyway. Um, Okay, so we are a show that deals in facts. So, you know, you guys were saying that some of the things that we should talk about, you know, like, you don't know the, the, the baseline of this sort of stuff, right? And so I wanted to, I wanted to point out a few things, right? And I, I think that they need to be sort of repeated as much as possible. And I want us to talk about it. But I also feel like, you know, maybe this is like part of the show that can be like a public service or something like that, right? Which is that, like, first of all, the thing that we already talked about, most schools are open, right? The second thing is that most of the school districts that are closed have legitimate problems right now with actual staffing, right? Because the teachers are sick. They also have high positivity rates. They have massive amounts of kids that are out of the classroom. Now, the sad thing about this is that a lot of this is being reported now through like Reddit, you know, where people like screen cap like kids talking about their schools. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then they'll go massively viral, which, you know, obviously, you know, like who who fucking knows where this information is coming from. But, you know, I did some reporting on this recently and I would say that, like, you know, there it's not that common where there are these schools with these massive shortages, but overall all teacher shortages is a very real thing right now uh, the bigger problem in some ways is not really teacher shortages it's substitute teaching problems right like no school basically has enough subs right so if a teacher gets sick with covid like it's not like you can just like like, it's not like oh you know mr like uh whoever like willow bottom is here again you know and all the kids are like happy because they can like you know do all the stuff they could just like play the dentist under the table and watch videos <laughs> and, and then like you know two kids go up and flirt with mr willabot like all the stuff that happened with substitute teachers would come you know like you know, they sort of become this template for all the like your your child id where you're just like all right you know all the ways that I want to fuck with my teacher, I'm going to now fuck with the sub. Like that sub doesn't exist anymore. And there are all these districts around the country that have basically doubled sub pay. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they can't find subs. Yeah. This is not just a problem in public schools, problem in private schools, parochial schools everywhere. You know, like there are not enough substitute teachers. And so when a third of your teachers are out because of a COVID exposure, like you're fucked, you know? Yeah. And so I don't know. Um, it, the one of the things that's very frustrating about this conversation for me, outside of the fact that it's not real because most of the schools are open, is the fact that like the schools that are closed generally, like what learning is going to happen under those yeah, conditions? Right. That's you it. know, like um, I was a teacher, as most of the people who listen to this show know. Like the idea that like forty percent of my kids are out, or thirty percent of my kids are out, and none of the other teachers are there, so I have to combine like two classrooms. 
that I and I don't know half of the kids and the, like or what they're learning. Like, guess what I'm going to do? I put on a movie. I'm going to open the windows, you know, and we're going to like sit. We're going to sit there for two to three, two to three. Hours. They're not going to learn shit, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, and so like I like I don't know. Somebody had put this like phrase out there on Twitter that I actually found quite useful, which is like COVID persistence or uh, COVID perseverance theater, yeah. you know, like as opposed oh, to like COVID. And yeah. I think that's what's sort of happening, right? Like, I think that's a great phrase because like. It's like that's what Eric Adams is, for example, doing in New York City, right? Like he's like he doesn't care about anything. He's just is not going to be the guy who uh, approves a school shutdown. Yeah. Right. Like he's like it's it's all political at this point. And so I don't know. I think that those three points are sort of like the reality of this. Right. Most schools are open. The ones that aren't generally have these big problems. And then the one thing that everybody is basing all their takes on is like this very peculiar situation in Chicago, which is actually completely specific to Chicago, right? But people want to expand it out and make it about all teachers. Right. I think that's basically what's happening. I mean, there's two things that kind of get conflated in like that Atlantic piece, but I think more generally, one is this learning loss conversation. And I think in the piece today, I think, I assume this is why you were doing this. You were arguing like, we should acknowledge learning loss because that's because you're trying to say that's not the main issue, right? Like you can acknowledge, yes, there's learning loss that's happening. Uh, and that takes away, you know, this Atlantic writer's main complaint that there's learning loss, right? But what's underlying the learning loss, or not underlying, alongside the learning loss concern is, again, this labor question of who in society is going to watch these kids? Is it going to be me or is it going to be these teachers, you know? And right. I, when you talk about, you know, you're the substitute teacher watching three class, three classes at once yeah there's no learning going on but as a parent of one of those kids i would kind of appreciate if you would watch my kid for me for eight hours today you know what i'm saying right right for sure for sure so no but that's a different yeah, issue but that's what I'm saying. Right? i think like, that's, that's i think that's the issue, real yeah. issue it's like social division of labor who's going to watch yeah. these kids you know like the parents right the learning loss is happening regardless of the format yeah, i mean the learning loss is its own issue and i you know yeah. who knows you know like i mean it does seem like it's happening and it's bad but it's like, yeah, yeah it's really bad. Yeah. We'll talk yeah. about it in a second. Yeah. Sure. But it's like, it's, it's happening. Yeah. It's kind of the discussion happens in a bubble. Like, would you yeah, rather right. learn in a classroom or at home? Well, like, that's not, you know, that's not, it's not like a, a choice. Uh, like, it's not like a free choice. Right. And, right. The, and, the, and the liberal parents in these cities will not say, just say, listen, you know, I don't, I don't give a kids. shit what you do in that <laughs> yeah. classroom. Because yeah, <laughs> I have to go to work. You, right. <laughs> you can show them any movie, know. you know, like you can show them like Revenge of the Nerds <laughs> and you don't have to fast forward through any of the new movies, you know, like you can show, you can show them Porky's, you know, I, like these are very old examples, you know, but like whatever, you know, show them the ring. These you are know? what Dave Substitute Teacher showed him in North Carolina. <laughs> he hasn't been able to forget. Yeah, he's like, we were going to watch Porky's today, you know, like show them caddyshack like, it doesn't matter you know like i just i i just want like yeah. and you know i think that that would be a much more honest conversation yeah. if that was the truth and that is right? the yeah, big function of schools child, yeah exactly right it's centered so much on learning loss i don't know and how are you is, is are those the thoughts that are going through your mind right now Andy, as you as so child my kids yeah. around my kids too young but i was actually thinking like are a bunch of i wonder if like we're gonna find out during the pandemic all the east asian kids got together and we're doing juku like you know like homes cram school throughout the pandemic and they're going to come out ahead at the end would be, be kind of <laughs> we're speaking right, what's our wait what is it we're doing race race science now? like <laughs> agents of, we're doing like ace agents just, of I, privacy now i'm just saying andy's gamifying <laughs> learning i guess that would be a bad look, but uh <laughs> 
Oh, well, that's kind I'm, of like the I'm privatization of, of like cram schools and stuff that we saw early on with like the rich yeah. parents forming pods and all that stuff. Yeah, like that. but yeah. It was the rich and Asian parents, right? Like that's how we should say it. Right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. My, I have a friend who, um, I, I, I'll admit this, but like I have a buddy who's like kid is four, you know, just like my daughter. And he has a friend. <clears throat> my friend is married to a South Asian woman and her friend who's also South Asian has started sending their four, five-year-old to Kumon, mm -hmm. you know? And I had this like moment of intense jealousy, you know? I was like, fuck, <laughs> I gotta send, I gotta send Frank to Kumon. Oh no. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'll probably just I like, books. I'm, about, I'm like, I'm like yeah. a year away from like writing a defense of, of uh, the, the battle song of the tiger mom yeah. or whatever the yeah, whatever, battle the, the whatever tiger Amy was. I, I read know. that book and I thought it was just a non That's where we book. are now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's like, um, but, I, yeah, I mean, the other thought tough. I had was like, you know, my kid was like two when the pandemic began. And I'm like, there's like no way this pandemic is going to still be going on when, yeah. when she goes to elementary school. And now we're over halfway there. Right. Yeah, totally. You know, and I'm like, right. No, I agree. And we're, like our kids, half of their lives have been this pandemic. Yeah, you know. I mean, I think like I we moved. It happened right after we moved to Berkeley, and my kid was uh, turned three. You know, yeah. And she's about to have her fifth birthday party. Oh, man. You know, that, this weekend we're just like, okay, you know, like this is half your life in a mask and yeah. worrying about shit. Yeah. You know, or at least like observing other people under a high level of stress, like. Um, you know, of course, it's going to have some effect on them. Yeah, right? like it's it's impossible to not have an effect on them. So parents worry, you know, and this is what happens. Yeah. Um, so you're worried about learning loss. Yeah. Yeah. So I read this article that came out today, in which I looked at all the studies on learning loss from around the world, and like it's happening, right? Like, I mean, of course it's happening. Like, you know, I don't know anyone who defends remote learning. Like, you know. Um, in terms of being as effective as in-person learning, right? Like nobody defends that. Yeah. And so, of course, there's a lot of learning loss that has happened. Like, you know, and then if you think about it anecdotally or even from like a reportage standpoint, I haven't talked to a teacher who hasn't said the same thing. All the teachers say the same thing. You know, my second graders are like first graders. My fourth graders are like third graders, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, like everyone sure. basically lost a year of school. Yeah. Now, like that's a huge fucking problem, yeah. right? Like, mm -hmm. um. Like, it's not just like, oh, you know, the kids won't know algebra. Who cares? It's just like, no, every teacher is trained to teach a certain thing. You know, every teacher has like lesson plans and like right. adjust everything to a certain amount, to a certain level of learning within their kids. Now, there are differences within the kids in their classroom that they adjust to. Right. But there's never been a point where every single kid, yeah. <laughs> like basically you you minus one from every single kid. Right. Yeah. And like, so the, the, like this plays an incredible strain on the teachers, like, you know, and then the kids are going to get even more behind, right. Because the teachers, it's hard for them to adjust. It's not the teacher's fault. Yeah. Right. Like, it's just like, they're in this unprecedented situation. And that's part of the reason why all the anger at the teachers makes me particularly mad. Right. It's just like, they're They see this every single day. Right. They want to go back to school they want to do in-person learning because they don't want their children, their kids, their students to be even more behind, right? And then now you're like, you know, now you're screaming at them, right? Like now you're calling them all like communists and like destroyers of the country. Now you're blaming them for the reason why you're going to vote for like a Republican. <laughs> you know? Like, come on, you know, like be more reasonable. Like that's all I want to see. Like just be reasonable. Like this person is the one who's going to be teaching your kid. Yeah. You know, so why don't you just be nice to them, right? They haven't done anything to you. Like, um, anyway, um, 
I don't know. Tam, what, what, what do you think? Like, what do you think generally about learning loss? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I mean, I think of course it's happening. I think like, but the the whole the point that Andy was making earlier, I think, is the right one, which is the learning loss is going to happen regardless of the format that school is taking place in at this point. And so, how that we're going to recover from that, I think. I, don't have any good answer about that. I think one of the frustrations in the discourse for me is um, the, the blaming of the, the teachers unions and teachers generally is something that you see a lot whenever there's some a policy question around children. Like, for instance, you see this in child welfare too, like the best interest of the child, this whole kind of, you know, rhetoric, it's always separated yeah. out from the the child's familial context. And so like in the same way that you can say, oh, this is the thing that's the best for the child and therefore the state is going to intervene and pull the child out of this particular home and put them in a different home. It doesn't actually like treat the child as like a person who's living in a community, right? And I think like that's what you see a lot of times in the analyses of public education where it's like actually this child, you know, exists in a context of the school where they have relationships with teachers who have relationships with administrators and all of those people need to function for this place to function. And it's not just about a child in isolation, you know, but I think a lot of times you do hear that from, especially I think you would say like more well-to-do liberal parents who, uh, you know, there's this kind of like precious nature of their child, of course, like children are precious, but there's so little regard for the health and well-being of the people around that child. Yeah. It's it's pretty wild. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, they see them as servants, right? Exactly. And also just completely interchangeable, I think in some way, you know? Right. Right. Um, And, and except when it comes to like what school their kid is going to go to, it really matters. What's the number of the great schools? Is it an eight or is it a six? You know? And you're just like, (laughs) okay, well, you know, like, I don't know. It's just people's way of thinking about schools right now is totally like, it's just batshit crazy to me, you know, like, Everything has become quantified, right? Yeah. And they care deeply about, like, you know, which school is good and which school is not good. And yet they seem to have zero care, like, interest in the welfare of the people who are, like, actually, you know, maybe, A, making that school good, yeah. you know, or the people who are facing challenges to so that the uh, school is not, quote, good, you know? And it's just yeah. crazy, you know? Like, even if you think of in the ways that some schools are good and some schools are bad and you only want your kid to go to the good school, like, you should at least care about how the school is, like, a good school or what's, why some schools are, are why some schools struggle, you know? It's just weird. Right. It's totally incoherent. Um, I mean, I think for yeah. a lot of... I think also... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I mean, just, like, as a, a quick point is just, like, I think a lot of the stuff is, you know not great thinking by a lot of parents, but I think a lot of it is also a response to kind of the narrowing of opportunities and the kind of high stakes of good grades and the high stakes of getting in top schools yeah. these days where everything is crazy competitive in a way that's like, I could th- I think it's unhealthy compared to when we were going to school and college and all this stuff, but you know, who can say in like 20 years, it might be even worse. So I do, I do, I do think a lot of it is um, for a lot of parents, they just see like there is a certain route their kids have to take in order just to like break even basically. Um, because of how 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 everything is just kind of shrinking, which you know you could say is something yeah. that should be addressed by a bigger, right. more capacious social vision. But um, I think it's a natural response for for some people, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's it's. Uh, <clears throat> it, Tammy, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I think like at a policy level, one thing I've noticed here in in South Korea, and I think like I think in Taiwan and China, they might have had a very similar thing, but there's 
like regular widespread testing of students and educators in all the schools. And, and there's a national standard for when a school has to go remote based on positivity rate. Yeah. And so I think like because of the standardization of that, and obviously, whatever, it's very hard to compare the U.S. to smaller countries that are geogra- who's geographic and kind of yeah. tighter. But um, yeah, exactly. But um, I do think that that because there's this kind of standard, because there is regular practice of testing and monitoring like that has reduced the possible blowback against politicians and like the kind of political ramifications of that. Yeah. Because okay, it's gone above the standard, and therefore the school just has to go remote for this period, yeah. and then it'll come back. Um, right, right. That seems to but be, I think we the don't other have thing... that because we it's, our schooling is so localized, you know. Yeah, which is exactly. why drawing big conclusions out of it is so ridiculous. You know, it's right. like it's like getting you know getting judging sports by like you know TikTok backyard brawls or something like that, where two or two or two random dudes just punch each other in the face for social media. You know, it's just like you can't control everything. You know, like it's 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 totally localized and, and decentralized. Yeah. Like there's no like yeah. you know there's no there's no there's no like federal right thing that you can yell at. It's it's yeah. just local school districts. Yeah. But I mean, that's that what wow. you're talking about, Tammy, is exactly what Chicago, the Chicago Teachers Union is asking for, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to like safe conditions, exactly. et cetera, they call for uh, clear metrics for deciding that a school-wide outbreak warrants a building's closure, you know? Yeah, so, which I think is such a reasonable demand. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's been very frustrating to watch what's happening in yeah. Chicago. I mean, this came out, I don't know if you want to talk about this now, the, uh, an article in Jacobin that Liza Featherstone wrote, um, right. where she was kind of taking this position of like, this. As a left, how do you take a leftist position in support of schools, in support of the teachers, but also not, uh, what's the word, like not dismissing the concerns about learning loss and remote For learning, sure. et cetera. Um, and she says, like, precisely because children belong in school, that's why you should support teachers, uh, which kind of, t- which is kind of t- like to the point you're making before, Jay, that like if if you care about your children's education and you want them to you know, thrive and do well in school, et cetera, you should actually support the teachers rather than attack them. And tear them down or you know um, force them to work in unsafe conditions which would lead to like an outbreak or you know even worse than yeah. that yeah i think like you know one of the things that seems to be the general party line too is that like i only know this because maddie glacius tweeted it at me at some point but also because i hear a lot about it which is that parents just don't trust that they feel like the trust is broken you know mm-hmm. That like basically they kept and like I saw this firsthand here in Berkeley where they just kept pushing the date back, you know, and there did come a time here specifically where our positivity rate was like way, way under like 0.2%, which is outrageously low, you know, and where all the teachers were vaccinated and they still pushed the date back, you know, and then that's when people really got mad. You know, for the start so, of the school year or for, sorry, for return for to restart it. for restarting in-person learning last uh-huh. year. Oh, okay. Um, and then, you know, that's when people really lost it. Right. And I think that I think that a lot of liberal parents have that had a similar experience where like no scientist would agree that uh, the schools had to be closed and the teachers unions still kept them closed. And I think that that there is like some sort of like a basic I think that's the moment when people are are actually backlashing about, you know, um, why do you think I don't why do you think they did I, that? Why do, why do I think who did the that? teachers push back or the school district? I don't know. Um, I, I think it depends on the district. You know, I think some places like felt like the, their buildings weren't safe. Yeah. Right. 
Just fair. Maybe some, like maybe a very, very small percentage of them use it as like a bargaining. I don't know. Maybe. Well, what was going on in Berkeley? Because those rates are ridiculously low. I don't know. Like nobody could actually get an answer. The communication also. Yeah. 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 And so that I think I talked about the show before, but that's what led to like the gorilla moms of Berkeley. Did I talk about this on the show before? There's a group of moms in Berkeley called the gorilla moms. G-U-E-R-R-I-L-A-Z. No, G- yeah, Gorilla and then M-O-M-Z. Oh, M-O-M-Z. Oh, yeah, moms. <laughs> anyway, they were a group of like uh, anonymous <laughs> Twitter trolls. <laughs> this is an amazing story. And they, would, uh, they were following the head of the teacher's union around, you know, and harassing him and videotaping it, right? Oh, my God. And, um, and the, the big, their big breakthrough was that they caught the um the head of the teachers union taking his very young kid to her private preschool they videotaped it and they put it on twitter and they said um they said the head of the berkeley teachers federation comma a white man with dreads which unfortunately was true (laughs) (laughs) okay that's amazing (laughs) gets caught taking his daughter to school you know while while he argues that our kids should not go to school you know and so, like, I don't know if you think about Berkeley as a place where, like, every single liberal brain disease is just intensified, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, like, that, that's, that's like, that's that, I think some version of that is like, you know, and I actually know parents who supported the gorilla moms, you know, they're like, you know, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, but everyone went through some version of that, I think, in some cities, right? You know, New York City had that, too, where people are just like, the rates are really low. Everyone's vaccinated. What's going yeah. on? Right. Um, and. I do have some sympathy for parents who were mad in that moment because I do think that some of these uh, places did act like totally unreasonably and they didn't communicate with the public yeah. at all, right? Like there was yeah. a hostility about okay. it. And um, I just don't know what to do about it. I don't know, Tammy. Like that's where I, you know, I'm interested in your opinion about it because like, you know, you think about these labor issues very much. Like I think I can like portray or at least I can assess like what I think is a very bad situation right now. You know, like I'm really worried about like people like Mike Bloomberg coming in, sweeping in and completely changing entire cities in the way that like, uh, you know, school choice advocates did post Katrina in New Orleans, where there are no public schools in New Orleans anymore. It's all charter schools. Right. Like uh, to be first chapter of the of the shock doctrine is all about that. Right. Like you could see that happening in schools around the country right now with angry parents. Like, I just don't know what to do about it. Like, what what do you think should be done about it? Well, I I mean, I mean, I, I don't. I feel a little bit distant from all this stuff right now, but I mean, one of the things I was thinking about in Chicago, and we've discussed this on the show before, is that that 2012 Chicago teacher strike was really pivotal in the kind of right. formation of you know teachers union strategy um, that led up to Red, Red for Ed, et cetera. Um, but one of the things that they had developed and other school districts have adopted is you know having these regular communication, like sort of like clusters where, like at an organizing level, you'll have um, you know, groups of teachers who communicate with their, like, community members. And so there's always, like, lots of little meetings and things like that where teachers are constantly trying to stay in communication with parents so that they don't, you know, aren't divided with them, like, when they lead up to bargaining, for instance. And so I'm wondering, like, what breakdowns there were or or if there were breakdowns, um, you know, between parents and teachers in some of these districts that have had to go to remote, remote learning. Um, because you do need to have the goodwill of the community behind you in these public union fights, yeah. like obviously, because this is public money and, you know, you're doing it on such a large scale. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I think like in the past, that sort of small scale communication has worked pretty well. Um, at this point, I, I don't know. I mean, if you're saying that the trust issue, that the trust is broken really in a lot of places, well, I don't really know what they're going to have going to need to do to rebuild because it's a huge. To yeah, be clear, I don't necessarily thing. blame the teachers unions. I think the way these conversations generally go is like, hey, you know, a lot of us are sick and uh, also the schools aren't necessarily safe and we want to keep your yeah. kids safe. And then the parents go, hey, fuck you. That restaurant's open, you know, <laughs> and they're like, well, it's not the same thing, you know. Yeah. And then and then the and then the teachers unions get very defensive about it, you know, and that's when you have like quotes like, uh, I don't know, like there was like a teacher in Philadelphia, I think, or something who was saying. I would rather have, uh, you know, see like all kids have like a year of learning loss and see one teacher's aid unnecessarily die or something like that. You know, um, I would shut down schools for another year, you wow. know, then see one. And then it's like, all right, don't say that, you know, <laughs> but but it comes out of a it comes out of a place of great frustration, I'm sure, you know, yeah. like um, and one well, teachers have died. Them, yeah. Yeah. A lot of them have yeah. died. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't what's, know. What's Andy, the, this question for you, like, do I, yeah, go ahead. Do you, I mean, on Tammy's point, do we have a sense of like, does the city of Chicago support the teachers on this in general, or do we know? Well, there was a poll that came out last year, and it said showed that people generally support the teachers' unions in general as much as they ever have. Right? This is last year. That's changed. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you think so? For sure. But I think it's changed because of the media. You know, because because most like as I will continually say on the show, most school districts are open, you know, so if you're not paying attention to the national news, right, then what do you do? Oh, my kid's school is open. So why are you going to get mad? Because fucking school's open. You know, there's no issue. So I don't know. I I, I think some of it is like media trip at this point. But I I imagine that those numbers are down quite a bit. Um, Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do think like most of the articles around the Chicago Teachers Union have basically been about the teachers union fighting with Lori Lightfoot, Lightfoot yeah. you know, and so I, I don't know, like a lot of them don't actually have that much reporting on the relationships be- between, you know, community members, parents and teachers. And so I do I do wonder about it. I'm sure there are incredible frustrations, especially because the teachers union basically had like shut down the the school district entirely for a day, right? As a kind of protest um, the other day. Um, And so that must have been really shocking and very difficult for the parents. But also um, I think like what the, I think what the Chicago Teachers Union is demanding really isn't that extreme. Yeah, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There, I don't know. It's a, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. Red for Ed was so popular right like um and it was such an inspiring moment for the listeners who don't know what red for ed is it was the sort of wave of teachers strikes and union activity that what west virginia arizona oklahoma states around the country and not necessarily states that you would think about like it wasn't like the you know quote radical chicago teachers union you know like these these are these are places like phoenix like places all around the country right uh oklahoma city and um you know, like now we're back to blaming teachers for everything. Uh, I don't know. I just find it sad. I also find it just offensive as a former teacher. You know, it's just like, yeah, like some of the stuff people say about like what teachers do is just so off and like how they actually think. 
And it's just like, oh, you actually just hate these people, you know? Like, you actually can't imagine in your brain that these people actually have your kids' best interests in mind ever, you know? That they're all just lazy people who want the summers off, you know? And that that's all they really care about. And that they're just doing this so they don't have to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there was one thing, Andy, I wanted to ask yeah. you about, which is like an interesting distinction. Somebody I saw had wrote, uh, had written something about how like the distinction was that like teachers wanted to be t- treated more like tech workers and less like essential workers, and that that was at the heart of this. What do you think about? Oh, that? interesting. Meaning that they wanted right, the option like, to work from home rather than like right. Like right. they look around and they see people who make basic have the same basic ed- ba- uh, yeah. educational background as them. And make about the same amount of money, yeah. have the same amount of sort of social clout as them. And all those people are just working from home, yeah. right? And happened for two years. And they're not being forced back into their offices or whatever. So why why should we be forced? I mean, was this an anti-teacher person? <laughs> the face Tammy is making right now is just... I know. This is an anti-teacher so, person. She's like so disgusted by this take. Andy, what do you think about that take? I mean, the person who gave this take is an anti-teacher person. Is that fair? Um, I don't even know. I just read it. Okay. I was thinking, I mean, I was thinking about it because, you know, we circulated this other piece from the New Yorker that was talking about um, thinking about this category of essential workers, which on the one hand valorizes them like, oh, you're essential, you know, unlike, you know, me. Right. But on the other hand, it also denies them agency because because precisely because they're essential, they just have to like they have to do it for society to continue. Right. Yeah. There's a sacrifice for us. Uh, I mean, they are essential. I mean, essential in like the in the big picture sense, like they are, right? Like society right. can't function without them. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, they're they okay. So for <laughs> a lot of things about this take, but I think one of the things is like so this category of essential workers, like it's actually been built into the labor laws in in terms of, for instance, like um, like straightjacketing people's behavior in organizing. So for instance, like firefighters, mm-hmm. cops, you know, teachers in most places, like it's illegal for them to strike. Right, right. So because of this whole thing about like, oh, they are right, essential right. for our society, we can't have them out, right? So that's always kind of like been right. there. And then added on top of this, of course, is the pandemic discourse. But I think it's so funny to think that teachers who um, have four years been doing a job that is intensely social and um you know, would, would suddenly like prefer to stay at home right. and, you know, right. become remote teachers. It's a bit right. bonkers. I mean, I think there are teachers and for healthcare providers and other people who have been in these really like intense social service jobs that now are thinking about just doing like telemedicine or doing right. teleteaching. Like I have talked to some teachers who basically are now just going to work for like private online teaching companies, which I think is really sad. But I think for the vast majority of teachers, that is a pretty absurd characterization. I mean, they enjoy being in the classroom with students. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm Tammy, I'm with you. It's like, um, but I do think that that take is actually behind some of the thinking behind it, you know? Like, I think it's just like, oh, you don't understand the actual, um, what your job is. You know, you just want to like be thought of as being the same as like a lawyer or something like that, but you're not, you know, right. like you have to, and it's like, of course the teachers know that, you know, if they wanted to be a lawyer, <laughs> some of them would have just been lawyers, you know, like they want to <laughs> be in the classroom with the yeah. kids. Like, you know, like I, I just, like the, the thing that bothers me the most about all this is that like, there's that the critics of this, you know, especially like I would say some of like the sort of centrist Democrat type of 
critics of it, right? Like they're they're like shred of of like good faith sort of towards teachers saying like, oh, well, you chose this and that you want to do a life where you're helping kids. Like there's none of it, you know? They just see them as fucking failures, you know? Like they see them all as like people who like, who didn't get good enough grades or whatever, or couldn't succeed in the meritocracy. And so now they're all teachers, you know? Awesome. Like that, yeah. that's, that's how, it, that's where the contempt comes from. I think it's literally yeah. just like a, it's like a meritocracy success type of thing, right? Like I had this idea where I was just, I was going to tweet this, but but only I couldn't figure out how, a way to sort of make it ironic so that people knew that I wasn't being serious. It's just like, we had this like fucking period of months where people like applaud every fucking doctor at seven o'clock at night, you know? And it's just like, if you're in a city where the school district is open, you know, like at seven o'clock, you should go out and fucking applaud for the teachers that are keeping the schools open, you know, <laughs> right? But they'll never fucking do yeah. that. Why? Because they fuck, they don't think of teachers the same as doctors, right? Like they don't, yeah. like both are necessary to deal with the pandemic. Like a lot of teachers are braving this and going into the classroom, right? With at, at some personal risk, right? And, and they're never valorized in the same way. So then you ask yourself, why aren't they valorized in the same way? Oh, it's because people hate teachers. You know, like people actually don't like they, they think of them as less than doctors, at least at the very least. Yeah. Right. Which I think um, explains some of the rage against the teachers unions, because the whole function of teachers unions historically also has been to professionalize and to like, you know, expand right. and confirm the dignity of this profession. And so that I think to those sorts of people is fundamentally offensive. Right. That yeah. you know, No, these yeah. are essentially just kind of you know, disposable and interchangeable service workers, the same as a kind of grocery clerk, not that we should even be named grocery clerk, right. but, you know, but, but this kind of question of, is this skilled labor? Is this right. professional labor has always been right. kind of a, when that, right. that unions right. have had to deal with. Right. Which is why the learning loss argument is so funny to me. It's just like, you know, like, I mean, come on, you know, um, the last I thing I wanted to talk about here is like, there's, oh, are you, do you have to go? Oh, no, I was just going to ask you guys a quick question as parents. Yeah. Like, so if you guys were in a school district that closed um, and you had to, you didn't have childcare, what is, what is like, if we could like have an imagination around like childcare and dividing like education and childcare, yeah. like, even though they're not always separable, what would be a solution to that? So for instance, like, you know, the French crush system where there's like a sort of federalized you know, daycare or nursing yeah. type centers where you can drop off your child. Um, you know, is that the kind of thing we would want? Or like, what are alternatives when you don't have access to school, but you need to work? And so therefore, even if you are okay letting your child go without learning for that week right. and you just need to put them somewhere, where do we put them? Yeah. I don't know. I was, and, I was. Andrew would go I, pick it in front of Larry Kraft. <laughs> yeah. It's your fault, Larry. <laughs> I was asking around because I do feel like, you know, Oceania or European countries have these solutions that we can't even conceive of, you know, like this, the civilized countries. Um, but like, you know, I heard like in other schools, <laughs> another, 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 civilized belt from Oceania to, to Europe. <laughs> a lot of countries. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's the like places with like really good social world. Welfare yeah, right. <laughs> Depending what direction you go in. Um, yeah. I heard... Like everyone except Greenland is civilized. Yeah. <laughs> um, go ahead. I'm sorry. To be to, I was just doing some <laughs> geography humor. Uh, Antarctica. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. I don't know. I heard like in other places they like, just gave paid leave for months for so that parents could watch their kids without worrying about yeah. work and all that stuff. That's not a permanent solution, you know, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there has to be, 
I mean, to get back to go to kind of circle back to the teacher question and like what is responsible for these labor shortages, it does seem like if we were going to pour resources somewhere, would we maybe be making the schools themselves more robust such that they could do like half hybrid, like half online and half in person with like social distancing in the schools or something? And you would pay the teachers more so there'd actually be more teachers willing to do it instead of those who are just kind of super exploited. Um, there was an article in Vox, you know, we'll put in the show notes that mm-hmm. kind of struck me. It was talking about the labor shortages, just kind of putting into a uh, stark relief, like what is the issue with public school teachers and how public, uh, just to read a quick quote, the article said, in public education, pay has been stagnating for decades with teachers making 21% less than other workers with comparable education. Today, when workers are urgently needed, letting pay fall so low is coming back to bite a lot of school districts in the butt. Basically saying like this was happening right. before COVID and COVID just obviously, like a lot of things, right? Just kind of exposed um, a lot of the underlying problems. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I, I I was thinking about this, like maybe if you had like double the teachers that you could figure out, figure out a solution where like half the kids go to school and half do remote and go back and forth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But asking one teacher to do both is like not tenable yeah oh so you would have like some yeah. teachers teaching the remote kids and some of them yeah teaching like, the, i mean there was like there's the there's plans yeah. to like do this back and forth and i know that kind of hurts the kids who are at home all the time so maybe they could rotate back and forth but the point is like all these hybrid solutions are asking the teachers to do double you know for yeah. for right. teachers who are already doing probably more than their salary justifies so um and Right, and who are also understaffed, so they have to do way more. Jo- they have to teach more. They have to teach more periods. They have to, you know, like did you see? Like there are like places in Texas, I think, that were like asking parents to come in and substitute teach and stuff. Yeah. You know, like that's how bad it is, right? And I don't understand how it's become like a mainstream liberal position to like not think about to like just ignore that, right? And just say, hey, let's, uh, you know, let's power through and keep the schools open. I don't know. I mean. It's just so frustrating. I I really do blame the media for this one. You know, like it's just like not for the teacher shortage, but for you know the lack the of un- like it's just stuff. like it's yeah. yeah, and it's it's all because of it's all because of political electoral stuff, right? Like it's all because of the Virginia gubernatorial race. It's all because of like what people see as like a complete wipeout that's going to happen this November and the midterms, yeah. right? And my my sense of all this is just like that cat's out of the bag. (laughs) We're going to get wiped the fuck out. (laughs) Like, why don't we just like stop pretending like it's not, it's like any of this stuff is going to change any of that. Right. And like, why don't we just like actually take care of the kids. Right. And not think of every single thing in terms of electoral outcomes, because like, you know, like, I'm sorry. Like, like, you know, it's it's just like such a cynical way to think about it, but it's what smart people do in the media now. And so, you know, like it, that's why it's become such like a prevailing thing. Right. Um, and to some extent, like it's, uh, it's understandable because the other side has never been scarier. Right. And so like, you know, like you kind of don't, you want to do everything you can to stave that off, but I don't know, screaming at teachers is not going to particularly help that. I don't think, um, to answer your question, Tammy, I don't know. I'm also, I think I actually agree with Andy and a lot of this, you know, like it would be great if there was some sort of collective childcare type of situation. People do that. Uh, people do that informally, right? Outside yeah. of the government. Yeah. And um, that's probably what I would do. I would set up some sort of pod with like some of my friends around here right. who have kids about the same age and 
we would go back and forth. And this is stuff that people did throughout the pandemic, especially the early months of the pandemic. Um, Some of my friends hired tutors Mm -hmm. to help, you know, to teach the kids stuff. And uh, some for some of those kids, it worked. And for most of them, it didn't. <laughs> you know, like, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you could yeah. hire the most expensive person. The like, the kids are traumatized, right? Like, they're yeah. like, why am I not in school? Yeah. Right? Like, why am I in, why am I in Bill's living room? <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's just like, um, I think now, like, if we had to do it again, I think, you know, the kids would be more used to it. But, like, you know, the first year, of course, it's going to be, it's going to be, difficult for them to learn that year i don't know it's like um i don't know i I find it such a strange thing i i I can't tell if i only care about it so deeply because i have a kid and if i didn't have a kid i wouldn't care about it but it does seem like a very it does seem like the central political question right now am i wrong about that well i think it's bound Um, up with um a general fatigue with uh and of quarantines like pandemic policies like shutting down restaurants and shutting down um, I don't know, like other businesses. I think a lot of people are upset about all of that stuff. And then obviously for yeah. schools are one locus and that seems to have blown up with the Chicago story. But I think, you know, there's a lot of um, like, you know, in terms of like the Virginia race, there's just like a lot of animosity towards lockdown politics in mm-hmm. general. Um, I don't know. It's been, I mean, yeah. I think that's, I think that's going to all contribute towards what, if you if your prediction comes true, the Democrats getting wallops, right? I think a lot of it will be um, anger over lockdown politics in general. Right. 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 I don't know. Did you all see that? Um, this is kind of being discussed a little. Um, Corey Robin wrote a piece for the New York Times in December about how Biden was like the most transformative president, you know, in our generation, but like right. everyone's mad at him. Why is that? And his basic answer was like, because the problems we're facing are just still so much bigger than any right. of these bills that Biden is passing or is capable of passing. And yeah, that might be true. And it's like, that's not, that's not the most, um, it's kind of a pessimistic outlook, but it, maybe it's true. You know, like what else can we do at this point? Yeah. Like, I think it's true. It's like losing a war every single day, you know? Right. Like, I mean, you mean like, what, cause you're not getting any closer to the end. Yeah. And like people are sick and dying. Right. Yeah. And everyone's like, tired of i don't know i'm tired of it. everyone's tired of it you know like who's not tired of it like like nobody's like i'm gonna be a good citizen and sit in my house and you know be happy that i'm be-. like nobody thinks that way everyone's sick of it right like i mean i don't know it's just like a human response um yeah. even though i will say i do mostly just sit in my house <laughs> like i don't i think there's like this like ju- i saw this photo on from I don't, i'm not gonna say it, like I, okay i'll say it. it was like from barstool sports <laughs> gambling account which i follow for completely <laughs> degenerate reasons but like you know they were showing this uh sports betting bar in illinois or like the sports bar in chicago and it was like filled and there are all these dudes like yeah. watching sports together without masks yeah. on and i was like i had i still have this moment of panic because i don't do that you know yeah. like i would like i don't go to those types of things and then i also felt for a sec i was like i wish i didn't live here in like you know berkeley <laughs> I wish I lived in a place where that type of behavior was so normalized that I wouldn't think twice about doing it because, because I'm so sick of, thinking of the social this shaming in Berkeley. Wait. Oh my God. It's so intense. Like, it, like, I don't, 
I mean, I will say that parents have calmed down a little bit. Like it used to be that every time parents got together at the playground, all the parents would be wearing masks, you know, outdoors, yeah. like nowhere near each other. Yeah, stop that. But now it's like half the parents are wearing masks, you know, and the ones that do are not glaring at the ones that are not. You know, so it's loosened <laughs> That's a little bit. We're there. Yeah. We've reached that point. Wait, yeah, Tammy, cool. I was going to ask. So when you, when you like are around in South Korea every day on a weekday, do you, are the schools open? You feel like people are just they're like going back to their normal lives it was when school was still in session when i got here but now it's on that okay. three month break so yeah but i mean things things feel relatively normal here like people go out to eat there's a limit of four people per table do you know if um if um, they had the same kind of misgivings about i mean you, t- you mentioned earlier about these like standard metrics yeah. but in general like were parents going crazy or did you feel like there were more support systems in place like i don't know community level or something like that yeah, I would say I would say the latter. Like I think I've been thinking about it a lot because I think there's a bunch of different factors that come into it. Like it is cheaper to get childcare. It is more available. Yeah. It's also less dangerous here because there's no guns and so sometimes you can also leave your kid at home. Yeah. Like there are all these reasons why yeah. you know, I think there's like a higher level of normalcy around that. I think there's also like I mean this not to sound like Confucianism whatever, but like I think there is also more respect <laughs> for teachers in this society. <laughs> You know, just period. Fathers and, so I and think they... older siblings and teachers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So people aren't going to hey, be that should be, your next artic- that should be your next article. Yeah. Like Confucianism. You know. It's real. Um, Confucianism you know. <laughs> and teachers. <laughs> the, lessons, the lessons of Confucianism and respecting teachers that, exactly. I derive from, that I derive from my time in South Korea. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the other day, there was a there was a lawsuit by Hagwon Cram School owners. Um that they won about trying to get away from the vaccine requirement. So before there was a requirement that you had to, like all the kids and, and staff to right. the extent possible would have to be vaccinated in order to attend the cram schools. But now there's an exemption essentially for the kids not to be vaccinated oh. to come into the schools. So they, because it was an infringement on their constitutional right to learn, <laughs> to have to- So, you know, so parents were still iffy about the vaccine, about but the teachers are vaccinated. Yeah, so I think like there are, there are a lot of people, constituents here too, who are like, either vaccine skeptical or at least want to honor the people who are vaccine skeptical yeah. and like are worried about its infringement, like having too strict rules on vaccination and testing affect, yeah. you know, students learning. So right. in every country like this is going on. That's the thing in the U S like the under 12 vaccination rates are still super low, which, you know, fine. Like it's like 16. Yeah. Like fine. Parents can do whatever they yeah. want, but like from that Atlantic writer to talk about the safety risk of Omicron to other children with ignoring the safety risk to, the teachers who are definitely going to be older, right? Like that's kind of crazy to me to be so myopic about yeah. that. Like the children, it's fine if the children, maybe Omicron is totally mild and no child will ever get seriously sick by Omicron. Right. But like it still could pass on to the older adult teacher. So like, I don't know how to get around that, you know, until the yeah, kids are vaccinated. Exactly. Yeah. We're in a mess. That's my we're conclusion. It's, it's like so depressing to think about uh, the school situation, you know, because I think parents are just going to keep getting angrier and angrier because they're like kids are going to like this learning loss stuff is going to start showing up in a big way. Right. And then they're going to get really mad. Right. Because of the competitive stuff that you were talking about. Andy, right. right? Like, this idea that, like the kids are so hyper competitive at this point And now they're all, you know, now they're behind, you know, so what should we do? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should just pretend they're all one year younger than they are. 
Yeah, oh my god! It's only eight. <laughs> it's like change their birth certificates with whiteout. <laughs> yeah, like he's actually. You know, like in Korea, you're you're right. like two when you get you're older. One. Yeah, like I was like two years old when I was two days old because I was born on December thirty first. You know, and so like the first New Year after, isn't that the rule or something like that? You're yeah. born like something like, like that, right? zero, I think. Huh? Isn't it? No, you're born, you're born one. You're born at one. Yeah. At one, and then you and get then, older after the and new year. And then you year. become one year after the new year. Yeah. So I was two That's when I was hilarious. two. Oh, yeah. Right. So we should do the opposite of right. that. <laughs> we should just make all the eight year olds seven year olds. <laughs> That's so fair. It's like, team stronger, you know, too, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. It's like a Malcolm Gladwell thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the US hockey team would be so <laughs> good. <laughs> like, why is, you know, does Billy know his multiplication tables? No, he's only seven years old. <laughs> or he's only nine. <laughs> But he's amazing at T-ball. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's also six foot two. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe we should do something like that. I have outside of that. I have no. I have no clue. It's like that. I don't. I. I, I apologize for the show for being so depressing, but um, I don't know. Thank you for. Um, you know, we gave you a good movie one last time. About, uh, <laughs> don't look up. That one seemed less depressing to me. Um, the movie about the earth being shattered. The movie by about the, exactly. The movie about, <laughs> about the, the earth shattering. Yeah. I don't know. I watched, like, I, I actually started watching television again. And um, I got to tell you, it's a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did enjoy, I watched the entire season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I've always enjoyed. I'm watching, you know, we but, just started like, it. Yeah, gotcha. But like in episode one, they just pretend COVID is over. Do they just do that the whole episode, the whole series? Oh, wow. No, it's very weird. Like they basically acknowledge that it's there, but they shoot and run the entire show like it doesn't yeah, exist. I don't know. It's very bizarre. That's yeah. so weird. It's weird. Um, they did like some suspension of disbelief type of thing. It didn't bother me. Um, I don't want to watch television shows where people are wearing Without masks. I'll no. just put it that way. I know, that's yeah, I don't. Want, I don't. I just don't want to watch it. Yeah. You know, like I don't. I don't want to be reminded that the pandemic is happening. Yeah, right? you want to escape. And at the same time, I can't like watch shows that involve like a. I don't know. My old boss said, like, people walking in forests, you know, just like any show that has dragons and magic in it, like, can't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm kind of stuck, you know. Um, I want to watch uh, Singles. Uh, what's that? The, what's that? Singles Inferno. Have you seen that, Tammy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a Korean, Is that a Korean show drama? on Netflix. No, it's a dating show. I think. Oh, it's a dating um, show. No. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys have anything else to say? Um, do we? I don't know. I don't have any more. I feel like we fully covered this education question, right? The only other thing I wanted to say is that I was reading um, an interview with with someone the other day, and um, they make it was written from it was before the pandemic, but basically he said people are really angry and they don't know why, Um, but it's because of neoliberalism. Who is this? (laughs) Huh? I think this was with it with director Itunga. Okay. Um, Anyway, but but my point. Just like I was thinking a lot about what he was saying, just because yeah. um, he was reflecting on like the anger of the youth, the anger of people like basically our age and younger, yeah. you know, and just the, this kind of seeping discontentment and not knowing where to direct it. And I think like that ha- has been true through this whole period of like late capitalism that we've come up under. But also now during the pandemic, I think this teachers union thing is like a, a real crystallization of, yeah. that, of like where do we direct this rage and this trauma that we're all experiencing? No, I think that's true. Yeah. I w- yeah. I mean, so anyway, you didn't talk about the Bloomberg stuff too much that you mentioned, but like reading, you know, Jay, you posted, you shared with us while you were in your article about 
Naomi McLean talking about New Orleans, Bloomberg talking about yeah. charter schools, you know, like this month. He's offering $750 million to somebody who can come up with like a solution to get rid of public schools and replace yeah. them all with charters. I like, yeah. that was very jarring. Because, of course he is, right? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I do kind of think we are in a lot of ways teetering on the brink of repeating the 70s uh, in terms of things just going shitty and then the free marketers coming in with all their solutions. I mean, it's actually, you know, Maybe we can put a link to it, but that Noam Klein excerpt you posted, you shared with us, Milton Friedman, right? This sort of like the right. personification of neoliberalism said about New Orleans, you know, uh, something like we have, we come up with these like really great plans for, in his case, like charter schools and free market solutions. And when it's not practical, we can't implement them. But when the window of possibility opens up, we can implement right. them. And that's so jarring to hear because that's yeah. what a leftist should say, you know, like we should come up with like an anarchist utopia. Yeah. And then wait for the right moment. But it sounds like the right is also doing the same thing. And they're also like better prepared. And they're like, they they're more committed to it. Yeah. Right. Like that's the, like they'll actually shock doctor and stuff and we won't. That's the difference, yeah. you know, like, and mm-hmm. I mean, like they, they completely wiped the New Orleans public school system out. Yeah, right? I didn't know that. And that's my main fear here is that the anger at teachers unions coupled with this disaster, coupled with the fact that like, some of the, you know, that, like you said, Andy, I do think you're right. Like, you know, like the, outside of schooling in the seventies, the there's also like, you know, violent crime in cities, yeah. just like there was in the seventies. Yeah. Right. And people are, are sick of it. And so what do they do? They elect Eric Adams who, yeah. you know, basically comes in and talks tough and, um, you know, like is, you know, that, did you see what Eric Adams said about like the fire in the Bronx that killed oh seven people? Yeah. He said like, oh, this is a good lesson to learn that you should close your doors when there's oh a fire. God. And just like, dude, like you like the <laughs> the way that the cop thought there where it's just like every single problem is because of somebody's individual personal failing to act in a certain yeah. way is like so right. ingrained so there, you know, that, and it's yeah. like there are all these space heaters in that building because the building wasn't adequately heated. Right. And like you yeah. like you don't care about that at all. You know, like the person like you, you, you just you're blaming the people for not shutting their doors that died in a fire. Like, I know, right? Whenever a fire breaks out in your decrepit building. Right. And so then that's like, that's like the type of politician people want now though. I think, you know, like they want to believe in this myth of like, I'm okay because of, um, of, uh, and the reason why things are going bad is because everyone else is fucking up. Right. Including teachers, including everybody else. And, I don't know. I think the future that Milton Friedman wanted is going to happen in schools across the country, right? Like we're going to see mass charterization of these schools and the busting up of these unions. And I don't know how to fix that. Um, because like you said, the, as on the left, we don't have, we don't have any plans. I mean, it does seem like <laughs> we're just mad at the other people for making sucks. Milton. <laughs> but we also in our defense don't have 750 million dollars from one person right. well, you know yeah. to like go and like to oh go and God. make this you know um, i mean it does seem like yeah. the tenure of the democrats are <laughs> you know more to the left than they've been in a long time it's just kind of weird the combination of that plus like all this other shit falling apart it is weird it's yeah. like too little too late almost. i don't know i just wish that like all the people I, I it's just it some of it is a messaging thing i think and this can be the last thing that we say but like i think some of it is like i wish that somebody was out there reminding people who like all have black lives matter signs in their yard in you know white suburban neighborhoods that teachers unions are in these cities 
are like the biggest employer of black women, you know, and, and black women specifically, that the leadership is generally black women, you know, and just like, like if you want to help people's people economically, if you want them to like attain a middle-class status, then you should support the teachers unions, you know, and the fact that you're attacking them, like, and you want to replace them with a bunch of Vassar graduates who are like 23 years old and like, don't know what to do with their life. And so they go teach at a charter school then go ahead, you know, but that's, what's going to fucking happen. Right. Yeah. Like that's, what's going to happen. Like, it's, and so, um, I don't know, but it doesn't really work to like skewer uh, liberals on their on their um, inconsistencies. I found in my forty two years of life of just doing that and nothing else. <laughs> like it just doesn't yeah. work. You know? <laughs> they just keep it. They just keep it moving. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it is pretty funny though. But yeah, <laughs> they just ignore you. You know, <laughs> like. Uh, but I wish someone was saying that. You know, maybe I should have written that piece instead of the piece that I wrote. But, <laughs> That's um, the next another one. Shot yeah. yeah, the next one. It, that would be a good take, actually. Maybe I will do that. You know, like because um, it is true. It yeah, is true, no, right? Like that. That like basically there is a. Um, you know, I don't know. The largest employer of black women in many cities are the are the is the public school system, right? Like especially at salaries that would that would accommodate a middle class life and. They're not supporting them. I don't know. You know, well, yeah. saying Black Lives Matter doesn't make much sense to me personally. <laughs> but what do I know? Um, all right. Thank you for listening to our show. Uh, you can support the show at goodbye.substack.com or you can support it at patreon.com slash ttsgpod. You can reach us on Twitter. Our DMs are open at ttsgpod. Our Twitter is like pretty dormant these days, huh? Should we yeah. like tweet from our account? We could tweet more. Yeah, I don't know, but it doesn't. Like, I People can find us. I really know it's Gmail or Twitter or Discord. <laughs> I say thank you for uh, you know at the start of this new year. Thank you for supporting the show generally. Um, we have a lot of listeners, much more. Li- I did you ever think we'd have this many listeners? Crazy. No, I find it crazy every time I look at them. Who are these people? Why are they listening to the show? Do <laughs> not hate listening? I don't think we have any hate listeners because we're too obscure to be hate listened to. Like, who, would get, who would take the time to listen to an hour and a half to, like, hate listen to us? I think there's a few <laughs> listeners. But to everyone else, thank you. <laughs> are there people who are that bad? I mean, I can understand why people would hate listening to me specifically, but it would be like eight people, you know? <laughs> I think the rest of that particularly objective. And, uh, yeah, you can reach us via email at time to say goodbye. Until next week, um, yeah, thank you for listening. Goodbye.